This is Bragging Rights, a show all about college football, where the conversations are lively, the topics are trivial, and the hosts are semi-knowledgeable. And now, here are your hosts, Madison and Pierce. Welcome into another edition of Bragging Rights, the first podcast of the offseason. It might be cold outside, but we are longing for those days in September, and we're here to get you through the long offseason that is this 2021 fall and summer. A lot of things to look forward to. We're going to start breaking it down today. Before we get into it, let me introduce my co-host. I'm Madison, and I'm joined, as always, by my brother Pierce. Pierce, how are you? I'm doing I'm doing well. Uh, we do have a football game to look forward to this week. So unlike last weekend, the uh, first week of, of with no football, um, over the last five months, it was tough, but now we have the, uh, the big game, the Super Bowl coming up. So it's going to hold me over a little bit until, uh, until spring ball, uh, coming up. I, I assume most schools are going to be doing that, but doing well. I'm looking forward to diving into this and yeah, it's been a, it's been a hectic last month, uh, for college football. So excited to dive in. Yeah. Uh, we do have the Super Bowl this week. That will be fun. So it still hasn't really hit me that we're about done with football. I mean, obviously it's winding down. Um, but after after Sunday, it's gone. Don't blink; it'll be over, over before you know it. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, you always you always get so excited for bowl season to come around, and then you've got those great, uh, you know, two or three weeks of great wild card and divisional play um, or divisional playoffs. Uh, you know, in the uh, those first two weeks in January. But you get so worked up for those, and then once it's gone, it's uh, whew, it's it's tough. So, but we've got a lot of exciting things. Obviously, we have we're gonna have a fun off season here in this household because, you know, we we had a good finish of the year, and and next season looks bright. So, uh, you won't hear me being negative on this podcast for a long time. I don't believe. Yeah. Well, today we just wanted to do a little check in. We've had a lot of coaching carousel changes in the past few weeks. I think at this point the dust has settled. The only hire really left on the table is UCF. Uh, so barring anything crazy, uh, it looks like the dust has settled and every single at least the major coaching opening coach openings are uh, filled. So we're going to go through a little bit of that. Just kind of talk about the coaching carousel, what it all entailed. Um, you know, that's part of the fun of the offseason. Uh, for college football, um, really quickly, we we're talking about the Super Bowl. Your pick, who you got? I mean, boy, I, I, so so I'll admit, I uh, I threw I threw um, a little bit of uh, coin on the Bucks right as the uh, early last week at three and a half. I wanted to get it at, at with that hook, and it's almost an Alabama Ohio State situation. Mm-hmm. I'm now starting to go, boy. I'm not only going to take the Chiefs big. I'm going to take Chiefs like minus 14 at like plus 250 just, you know, just because I think they could win by that much. Yeah. So, but, uh, you know, it, it, we'll see. I still have a lot of a uh, lot of thinking about it to do and and to digest a lot of uh, the media and things like that coming out. But uh, gut gut right now starting to lean towards the Chiefs. Yeah, I want the Bucks to win, but I, I agree with you. I think that the Chiefs are just one of those teams where. Even though they can get behind early, they're just gonna they just always have it in their arsenal to pull it to pull it out. So I think that they're gonna be able to win. Um, you know, you get into the whole thing about covering and everything like that. And I don't know what the line's at right now. I think that I jumped on it right at first too with the Bucks. Um, so I haven't checked it since then. That being said, I'm really looking forward to some of the, you know, the the prop bets and stuff like that with the Super Bowl. It's the best. It's yeah. the best. And this is your first year. I've never to done those. So partake. Yeah. I'm actually about to find out my square for the night for, for the yeah. Super Bowl. Well, I don't. I, it's a big deal this year. Yeah. Woo, let Pierce, me Pierce is in some weird. I don't even know. All I know is he's just super jacked about it. I've been talking about it for months and uh, it's over my head. It's uh, I think the pot's like half a mil. How much did you have to throw in? Uh, we're split the square uh, uh, five different ways. Okay. So I don't want to disclose okay, everything. You don't have to talk it, about it's, it's a large, it's large. It's big. It's All big right. time. Well, uh, we shall see. That'll be a fun one. We're both taking, are, so are you officially now taking, I'm taking the bucks. I think I'm still going to well, go to the bucks. Here's, here's another thing. Like I, I would fully be on the cheese, but that's where the public opinion is going to be. That's where the most money is going to be. The line isn't moving. Mm-hmm. that's something to take into account. Now it's early still, you know, you'll see it go a little different, you know, all sorts of different ways. I think over the coming days. You just don't you just don't get rich betting against Tom Brady. I know this is just one game, but you just don't. And that that's old saying scares me. At the end of the day, I'll I'll go ahead and lock in the Chiefs uh if I can get them at minus three right now, uh, for the sake of this pod. Yeah. Okay. Well there you go. 
uh, you know, it, it'll be interesting. I'm, I'm excited for it. I hope it's a good game at the end of the day. I don't have a horse in the race, so I don't really care. I just hope it's a good game. Uh, and I do think we will see. There's a lot of storylines to, to be interested in uh, for sure. So excited about that. Uh, I thought I had one more point to bring up with you, but I don't remember. So let's just delve in. If it hits me in the middle of this, we'll, uh, we'll circle back around. Um, let's jump in, Pierce. Let's talk about some of these coaching hires that have been made in college football. Uh, I guess do you want to start from chronological era or chronologically, or do you want to start with uh, top of the list talking about you know the current opening and then work our way back because it's kind of kind of cascades a little bit. We can do uh, we'll do current opening. We can go okay. down. Yeah. Obviously, the opening right now is UCF. UCF does not have a head coach right now as the, the recording of this, unless something breaks super late here on Tuesday night. Uh, Josh Heupel, of course, was the coach at UCF. He uh, was 28-8 and eight in three seasons at UCF, led them to a Fiesta Bowl appearance after the 2018 season. He's been hired away by Tennessee. Now, I know we're going to really get into this one, so uh, it probably just, you know, Probably it's probably this might be the most we talk about an opening here, but Josh Heupel obviously hired at Tennessee. Uh, Jeremy Pruitt got the boot kind of late. I think a lot of people thought, okay, they're going to hold on to him, uh, and or or you know they haven't quite decided, and then he got the rug pulled out from underneath as much as you could when there's an investigation going on. Uh, and uh, Josh Heupel gets hired. Of course, Danny White replaces Phil Fulmer as the AD at Tennessee. He goes, he's from U- UCF, and he goes and gets the coach at UCF. So I don't know if that bodes well for the volunteers. I know they're not super happy with this hire, Pierce. Um, I mean, I, I don't think it's as splashy as as they could have gotten, but it kind of seemed like a lot of people didn't want to touch that with a 10-foot pole. When you go out and you, you really just publicly lash your coaching candidate, your or coach that you're about to fire a lot of your candidates aren't going to be clamoring to come to the job i think a lot of people told them no so danny white goes back to the drawing board and just goes with his old friend josh heupel for that reason i don't love it i do think there's maybe a little bit of an upside i've seen a lot of chatter pierce about ut needs to just come to terms with the fact that you're not an elite program anymore and you're gonna be you know the next south carolina you're the next Ole Miss. You'll have a good season every so often, but you're just not going to be in the mix for national championships anymore. I have a hard time believing that just because of the thorn they've been in Georgia's side for so many years. But are we looking at that? I mean, have they relegated themselves to that? Ah, oh, boy. Yeah, I, I think so. Um, but it's hard for me to actually say that out loud because South Carolina has reached a new low, I think, uh, okay, in all well, honesty. Maybe, he, maybe uh, that was the wrong well, wrong. But, but, you, but I, you're, I'm, you're right. I think there it's... But here's the weird thing, and and I don't know. I guess I'm I'm biased being an SEC fan, being in, you know, the state of Tennessee. If they can just get some sort of relevancy in the, okay, put it this way: say they have two or three seasons of like nine wins, that fan base will be proud enough, and it will be loud and obnoxious, and it'll drive me freaking berserk. I, I'll lose my mind. But you can parlay those sometimes into to getting up into the upper echelon. Even in this day and age, there Tennessee still has a cachet. They still have a pull. Um, it's not big, but they still have a pull for some with some recruits and you know um, with the powers that be. So I think they're in they're in trouble. Obviously, I, I think there are a number of SEC schools that are in trouble uh, just based off recruiting classes this year. But I do like I do like this hire um, from the standpoint that it it, it feels like a it, it feels like a Butch Jones. In a way, and I'm not going to say that is a. Uh, I'm not going to say Butch Jones is negative necessarily, That's but it feels like someone. Well, but if you look at it though, and and this kind of goes back to your whole point of, is it just time for them to come to grips? Maybe it is because your best year over the last what 15 years was when Butch Jones was there. You had you know a couple good win, a couple good years. I mean, what Dobbs Dobbs led mm-hmm. them to like what a, a ten win ten win season. Yeah. I think that's kind of what you might get out of Hypo. You're gonna, you're not gonna reach the the the, the tippy top of the SEC, but I think he's gonna maximize the uh, the potential of the quarterback. He's a he, fun fact. Did you know that he was the national championship quarterback for o- Oklahoma back in 2000? I did not. Would you have pictured him as a college quarterback? No, that, absolutely not. Exactly. I couldn't believe that. He's a little bit of that. a. Uh, he's a little soft. When I that heard way. that, I was I, I had to go look it up. I was shocked. So he 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 knows the position. He's obviously a good offensive mind, um, so I do think he'll get a little bit more out of uh, Harrison um, Harrison Bailey there, and I think that's a great thing for him. He ought to be excited. Uh, again, I don't know if he knows that you know he's in Florida. He's going to have to hope that he gets some good staff around that's, him. He's going to have to yep. recruit. 
Florida mm-hmm. well and mm-hmm. hit on some of those lesser, you know, I don't think he's going to be able to go in there and pull the five-star kids, but hit on some of those, you know, maybe gems or, you know, lower four stars that turn out to be good. Um, and then he's going to have to hope he, you know, he has a staff around him that can also recruit the SEC. Cause I just don't know. That's their problem is going in now and convincing recruits to come there. Pruitt was, uh, was starting to do it, but he couldn't even get, couldn't even get it done obviously with uh, McDonald's bag. So, <laughs> uh, it'll be interesting. I'm again, I feel bad. I've, I've told many SEC fans or many Tennessee fans back in back three years ago that I liked the Pruitt hire. Uh, wow. How that came crashing down. Um, and in a hurry. So I, I hesitate saying this is a, a good hire. It's not a great hire. It was their fourth, fifth, sixth option maybe, but it's uh it's a building block for them to get some wins, you know, kind of have a, when you have a team, it, they have to aspire to be like Ole Miss and Auburn have been the last 10 to 15 years. We hope to catch lightning in a bottle once every four or five years. Mm-hmm. And you just got to be mm-hmm. happy with that. Yeah. They're not yeah. going to be a dynasty. That's an interesting comparison. I was going to, I was thinking about the other side, the West side. And I think that you have, um, I think that the East, at least for the past few seasons, you can argue that Florida's, you know, is starting to step it up and, and uh, close that gap a little bit, but you, you got, you know, your, your Alabama and your LSU which I would see on the East is Georgia and Florida, who it's like, it's going to be between these two teams. Then you have what Tennessee would hope to be. And, and if they can get to this point, I think they're going to be happy where you've got an Auburn who every once in a while can, can shock the world. The hard part is they're permanent in the West is Alabama. And they're going to have to have uh, a lot of things go right for them with Josh Heupel to get a win over Alabama. I mean, they haven't been the dominator, the, uh, you know, been dominating that since probably the nineties, maybe a little bit early two thousands, definitely before Saban. I'm trying to think uh, when the last well, time that it so was. So Fulmer more started tipped. to it was it was nineties because Fulmer yeah. started uh I've read a lot of great articles out there about Fulmer's decline started when Rick was hired at Georgia. Um Right. So yeah. he you know he still had good years in, in two thousands, mm-hmm. but I'd say the late nineties were his yeah. era. And you made a good point too that I wanted to bring up is that the good thing is he he's coming from the state of Florida, so you'd think that he at least knows the landscape for the next couple recruiting classes. Uh, he's not a, it's not like he's coming from Miami or Florida State or or UF where all the recruits know his name necessarily. But that being said, you know he should at least kind of know where he might be want to go and get people, and he's going to need them because Tennessee had a lot of their talent transfer away. Uh, I couldn't tell you a lot of people on their team anymore because uh, basically everybody that you heard this last year that had a, a, a more than two stars next to their name is, is gone. So uh, they're going to be really hurting in Rocky Top. They're going to here's what's going to need to happen. Tennessee, listen to me. You've been through the ringer. You've had a lot of different coaches. You got to give this guy time. Give him time. You're facing some some uh, NCAA allegations. You're going to have an investigation there. It's going to be tough for him. Give him a little bit of time. I'm not saying give him the next decade necessarily, but I think if you guys will stick with this guy, if this is truly, truly the, the person that you, and I don't think it was, but if this is truly the right person for the job, if you give him time, I think he might be able to get to an Auburn place where He's not necessarily in talks every single year, and they go couple bad years, couple good years, couple bad years, couple year, good years. I think that's where Tennessee can get. Um, I think it's better. I, I I I would not want Tennessee to ever be good again because they're one of our pseudo rivals. But uh, that being said, I do think it's better for the league when there are teams like that that have been powers that are. I want nothing more than Nebraska to get relevant again. I want those teams that have been powers to be good. So. It's a little bit of a love-hate with that situation, but we'll see how Josh Heupel fares at Tennessee. I've uh, got one more yeah. thing to add Go real ahead. quick. So I, it's interesting you say that, and and I do think Tennessee really has no choice maybe to, to, but to not give them five years. However, when this hire went down, I thought, well, this is the perfect shoe-in for the next two to three years while these allegations, they're, they're serving out these uh, penalties. And they're trying to buy some more time for Hugh Freeze to get access to to the SEC coaching realm again, um, for that that approval by the office to uh, to come back into the SEC and coach. There, that's kind of what I thought right away. So funny you think that, and that's probably you're probably right. But I immediately thought, okay, this is a guy that they can they can just say, all right, hit the road. In I three, think in that is. I, I don't get me wrong. I think that is the situation. This was Danny White kind of going, well, I know this guy. He's good. I I, I can kind of, you know, you're going to your buddy and you're saying, hey, bud, will you come help me out? I'm really struggling here. I don't think he's necessarily long for this world. Don't hear that. What I'm saying is 
give him a little bit of time. Don't just run him out because things are so bad at Tennessee. They owe coaches so much money, Pierce. They really can't afford to, to go and give this guy three years and then kick him out too. They've got to chill, give him five years, give him six years, and then at that point reassess. It, honestly, I'm gonna put, it, I don't think it can get worse for Tennessee right now. Uh, so just... just <laughs> you're not going to be Vanderbilt level. So we'll put it that way. You'll be Vanderbilt every single year. Just just know it's going to be rough for the first couple of years that he's there. And don't think that that means that he's terrible and start painting the rock fire Josh and stuff like that. Let, let him let him have a little bit of time and then reassess, regroup. And like you said, maybe by then he's, even if he gets things stable, I don't think he's long for this world necessarily. But I do think that if you can give him a little bit of time, it'll help you to get back on your feet. Because right now you are low, 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 stuck in the pit, stuck in deep, deep tar. So we'll see. Uh, real quickly, I don't have a ton to say about this one. Pierce Boise State had a coaching vacancy after Brian Harson went to Auburn. They hired Andy Avalos. He came from Mario Cristobal's staff at Oregon. He's not been a head coach before, uh, but he does know the Pacific Northwest. So we'll see how that goes. He is also... Uh, a Boise State alum, so I, I I I don't know. I don't watch a lot, of, a lot of Boise State football. The blue the blue turf really messes with my eyes. I don't even want to talk about the teal turf because oh my gosh, that thing is a sin to humanity. Um, but Andy Avalos returning home to be a first time head coach of the Boise State Broncos. Um, all right, let's turn our attention now to the Auburn job. Brian Harson uh, gets the nod after Gus Malzahn gets fired by Auburn. Obviously Auburn also had a very tenuous coaching search, not quite. um, Well, I guess it was, it was longer. In fact, maybe a little bit more tenuous, but at the same time, maybe a little bit less desperation than Tennessee. Um, Obviously a lot of rumors were going around. And I think a lot of candidates who were told maybe no, because they had demands or stuff. uh, There's, you know, obviously, You've got a lot of boosters there who want certain things. And and I mean, you see it at Texas too, and we'll get into that, but they go and they hire Brian Harson. Brian Harson, of course, coming from Boise state. He had a 69 and 19 record at seven seasons in Boise state. He's going to have an interesting offense. I haven't dissected a ton of it, but the podcasts I've been listening to are talking about his offense. So I'm interested to see that next year. Um, but again, like I said, very, um, was a very interesting coaching search. Finally, their AD has to say, this is this is the hire, this is what we're doing. There was a little bit of a coup for Kevin Steele to potentially get the nod, uh, and that didn't happen. And now not only does he have a buyout from Auburn, but I think for being on Tennessee staff for like a week or something, he's now <laughs> probably getting a buyout from Tennessee too. So uh, very interesting there for Kevin Steele. Um, but let me, let's break it down, Pierce. Brian Harson at Auburn. Do we think this is a good hire? Do we think this is a little bit of left field? I know a lot of people kind of tilted their heads being like, what? Because of some of the names that were associated. Uh, but uh, ultimately, it was, was not to be. And that's the their new head coach, Brian Harson. So mixed emotions here or mixed feelings here on this, on this hire. Harson, I think, is a very quality coach. Um, X's and O's wise. I just... I look at, and it's kind of the same thing with Hypel. However, I think Hypel will be able to manage because he knows the area, the the Southeast a little better. Harson's, and he inherited this. This is not his fault. But Harson ha- is bringing in this this class that he's inheriting from Malzahn is, is awful. Awful. I'm talking about so bad that it, this is the type of thing that sets a program back from being consistently you know a nine ten win team like they have been um so i don't know if it's gonna matter how well he is how good he is as a coach i do think think he's a good x's o's guys i I, or x's and o's guy um you know you saw those offenses in at, at boise always were unique always had some wrinkles to them um you know and you've seen it they've gone they've gone on and they've had some big upsets and and brian harson is a very quality coach. He has very little track record in the SEC or in the Southeast, he, except for one year at Arkansas State as an assistant. The one thing he did I do like is he did bring in two good quality coordinators. Um, you know, listen, Derek Mason didn't get it done at Vandy. Vandy, it's Vandy. I mean, give me a break there. He is a good quality defensive coach. Um, it'll be interesting to see how he recruits now that he's at Auburn as opposed to Vandy. So that that's where I, it's a little iffy. And then you bring over Mike Bobo, who knows the conference as well as anybody. Um, you know, maybe the time's passed him by a little bit, having been at Colorado State for so long. Uh, but if he can get some shiny toys over there, 
he'll get that offense clicking. I do like the offense that he'll bring as well. Um, maybe Bo Nix can maybe take a small step up. I don't know if he's the right man for that job, but give him give him time to get a quarterback in there. I think uh, you know he he can turn that around. So I do I I like those hires. Um, I think that's what he had to do. I wouldn't give this as high of a grade as the hypo hire. Not that the hypo hire is high, you know, high up, uh, but it's not. I, I don't think he's done a bad job with what he was inheriting. Yeah. The only part that scares me, Pierce, is the fact that uh, Brian Harson's coming from cross country. So he doesn't know the South. Recruiting is going to be interesting. Uh, I, I heard a blurb. And I think I texted it to you. I, I might not have, but I heard a blurb on one of my favorite podcasts. They were talking about this hire, and I have just been reiterating it every single time that I can. Auburn didn't necessarily get rid of Malzahn because of his performances on the field, though that did have, you know, obviously he wasn't getting it done. The problem is that most people think Auburn's biggest rival is Alabama. And for that, you know, for most of the year, it does seem that way. They obviously are just down the road from each other. But really, honestly, Auburn people hate Georgia and vice versa because it's on the state line. They are 30 minutes from Columbus, Georgia, um, and they are tired of Georgia for the past since Kirby got there. And and in a large part, thanks to some of the people he placed around him are going in to West Georgia, which is Auburn territory and recruiting over Auburn. And Auburn is pissed about it. So, yes, ultimately, also, it's because they, you know, can't get it done on the field. But it's also because they're being out recruited by people that they think are they're better than. So Bama's a given, but it's really the Georgia Georgia factor there. Well, that's uh, that's interesting, and I, I that makes a lot of sense. I I don't know. I think uh, you know Auburn is a restless fan base. I get it. A lot of top tier programs are like that. Um, but that you know I could have probably come to that, but it wouldn't have been at the first. Yeah, but my think first about choice. it. Malzahn was was winning Iron Bowls. That well, and, and, and that's he very true. Exactly. Georgia. Then that's what I'm talking. That you brought up a very good point. I guess outside of that one year with uh, Stidham, where then they lost in the SEC championship game, uh, was the one exception. Makes sense. But if you look at it, especially if you're talking about the recruits and and failure to get them in West Georgia, because that is a big area for them. Auburn is 50th right now, and I know recruiting can be. Uh, the end all be all for the upper echelon programs, but outside of the top 10 or so, it means nothing. I went to TCU. It doesn't matter if we get five stars or no stars, zero stars. Patterson, you can trust to coach them up and turn them into good players. Um, but you look at it, Auburn's 50th this year. They're behind Kentucky. They're behind Vanderbilt. They're behind Mississippi State, Arkansas, Missouri. Not even great, great recruiting schools. Typically, they're behind all of them. That's how bad their recruiting class is, and that's why this is one of those things you've got to, you know, you can have a poor coach if you recruit well. If he's a good recruiter, I mean, a lot of people say Kirby's that way. If you can recruit, you can you still put out a good product on the field, even if you screw up a game or two here or there. So that'll be interesting to see how Harson and company uh, recruit. I think that's the number one question. It certainly will. Let's jump over Pierce. Um, I, I kind of want to get a couple of these lesser one, lesser hires done first. Um, Jed Fish at Arizona out in the West Coast. Kevin Sumlin obviously out for the Wildcats. They go and get Jed Fish. It's his first head coaching opportunity. Uh, came from you were going through some of his prior coaching experience. I think he got started. You said at a high school, which is interesting. And obviously he's been in uh, all over the NFL as well. Um, I don't have a ton to say about this. I don't know a ton about Arizona football. Obviously, Kevin Sumlin, second failed job. Uh, you know, he'll probably end up on Alabama's coaching roster here soon. Um, Jed Fish hired at Wildcats. What are your thoughts here? I'll keep it very short. This is simply a hire f- to try and bring in someone that knows the, the Patriots culture. Um, clearly, you know, he does have two games as an interim head coach at UCLA back in, I believe it was 2017. So while he doesn't have head coaching experience, and that'll certainly be something that the Wildcats will have to be patient with, you know, he did spend two weeks in the uh, in the hot seat there at UCLA. So, you know, he'll get four or five years. He should get five years easy. It's a tough program to uh, to win at, to be honest with you. you. You know, you can get a few good players here and there. Then again, you got to go up against much more talented programs like Arizona State, you know, USC, UCLA, Oregon. Tough, tough uh, uphill battle, but th- this was clearly trying to. This was more of a cultural thing to me 
than than anything. Bring in someone who knows the Patriot way mm-hmm. and hope he can like instill some discipline and some, you know, I'm not saying discipline. There's a lot of trouble going on. Just provide that football mindset and discipline and, and attacking every yeah. day. Well, and it's interesting, too, because one of the things about Clay Helton, which is why it's interesting that to me that he is stuck around, is that he's not doing a good job of recruiting South California. Um, the Tucson is not that far from Southern California. So you should be able to go in and pick off some of those guys that Helton's losing to. So should be interesting if some of these recruits go, hey, you know, I like the idea of of being in on this, you know, getting groomed, I guess you could say, for the NFL and, and kind of figuring out how to best position myself there. That's that's certainly um, a good point from you there. Let's talk about Vanderbilt Pierce. Clark Lee, we decided it was Lee. It's Lee. It's yeah. Lee. Okay. For some reason, I want to say Leah. And every single time I go to say Lee, I'm like, oh, looks like Leah. Clark Lee in Derek Mason out. Lee, of course, just came from Notre Dame. He was the defensive coordinator there. He went to Vanderbilt. So uh, I really like this. I, it's it's hard to win games at Vanderbilt. You're just it's just going to be tough. Now I can this could be a whole separate podcast. It shouldn't be that way. Uh, and if Vanderbilt would stop trying to pretend, not pretend, they are a really good academic school. But if they made the commitment to be good at football, they could do it in a heartbeat. I do like this hire a lot. This is one of those that I'm like, please give him some time. Give him some help let the funds go into football a little bit more let's talk about renovating the stadium I don't know people out there if you've been to a game at Vanderbilt Stadium it's terrible I don't know the last time they renovated the damn thing I think it must have been the 80s it's not good it's like being at a high school stadium I love it god it's bad you know what's funny I'm sorry to interrupt but I I gotta say I had this weird revelation because I'm with you it needs it needs a facelift it needs something to give it a little oomph I don't know you can if you can really add on to the stadium. I don't think you need to necessarily. But if you are in that Hilton, I think it's a Hilton right there or whatever, Marriott, right there that you could see into the stadium and you're up a little bit high, high enough and you kind of look out and you go, man, this 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 son of a gun is just smack in between all these like big buildings and stuff. And I went, where else are you going to get a stadium like that? It's all I love it for that do, fact. Do you know now, but do you know where you do get a, a a city stadium that's bigger and now granted it's you can argue it's run down too, but at least it's bigger and, and their fan base seems to be a little bit more excited. Which you know what I'm taking that back. I take that last part back. Point is Georgia Tech's got a bigger, I would argue, nicer stadium than Vanderbilt. Yeah. Yeah. And they're I dead mean, smack in the middle of Atlanta. Yeah, but it's different. And 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 I, you're you're right. But it's different. They didn't, you know, it's on Georgia Tech's campus, which Georgia Tech's campus is across the interstate there. So it's not like in it's, you know, it's in the city, but but it's not like intertwined. Vanderbilt's not Uh, true, but it's it's a little more. uh, You're right. But there's a little bit bigger plot of land that's kind of flat, you know, trees and stuff where Georgia Tech is. I know I'm being a little nitpicky here, but you're you're right at at the end of the day. But I, I that's my one that's the one thing that I'll say and why I'll stick up for, for that stadium is because of that fact. Yeah. But okay. So, so fine. It, it, the romanticism of it is it's a cool, unique atmosphere, fine, whatever. But at the end of the day, you've got to get your, you have to get your alumni base who are going to give you funds to be able to get projects done and stuff. You've got to get them excited about football and in order to do so, do some of these fun projects, make them want to come to games, make them get on campus again to see the stadium and go, okay, yeah, great. Awesome. I'm, I'm excited. I'll toss, you know, some money your way. Vanderbilt, you would think your alumni base would have some, some deep t- pockets there. They're, it's not Ole Miss for God's sake. So I mean, these people are getting real honest to God jobs. When you want to know something else, this is this, this old take is my favorite hire. I, I agree. That's the exact, exactly where I'm getting. I love this hire. Do you know a little bit about him? I don't know a ton. Hold on. Can I, I'm going to okay, say okay, my, okay. and I'll let you wax. Sorry, here. sorry, sorry. I didn't know. Um, I like this hire because of the fact that he is a Vanderbilt guy. I think that that's big. You know, you've got somebody who's coming in, who knows the challenges, who who's not coming in saying this is the SEC. This is a stepping stone. It's not a James Franklin hire. This is a guy who wants to succeed here. He's, he's wants to help turn this program around. So just from a, from a mindset standpoint, not even his resume, but just from a mindset standpoint, I think this was the right move. I just hope that they put the money where their mouth is. And when he asks for things uh, for the football program, they do it because there's no, I mean, look at baseball. They're good at baseball. They've been good at basketball before there. You can be good at athletics at Vanderbilt. 
You just have to put the resources behind it. So if they can do that and not turn into a situation like there was a wonderful expose that went out uh, in the middle of the season talking about Florida State and what went wrong with Jimbo Fisher. And he came in and asked for funds and that's Florida State. And he was told no. So Vanderbilt, you're going to have to kind of pony up here. There's no reason to me why you can't, um, you know, at least do better. And it's real bad right now. So even a little bit would help them do better than it is right now because it's real scraping the bottom of the barrel. Go ahead. Let's let's hear your thoughts here on Clark Lee Pierce. All right, so a couple things here, uh, and really why I like it. Obviously, you hinted on he went to uh, he went to Vandy, played fullback at Vandy, knows a little bit about that program from that experience. Obviously, he good athlete. He went to uh, play baseball actually at Birmingham Southern. Um, here's another thing: he's from Nashville. He was born here. You know where he went to high school? NBA. You want oh, wait, to know what know maybe the most that, yeah. influential high school you need to go to to meet crazy contacts in the city of Nashville? NBA. Mm-hmm. You know who lines the pockets of NBA from the most part? NBA people. He's going to be able to infl- he's going to be able to get the people bought in that matter that will give money and provide more 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 opportunities to build this program. That's the biggest thing to me. It will be a, a change of pace, obviously. You know, he he's a young coach. He's been at a couple other schools, you know, like Syracuse, Wake Forest. Obviously, Notre Dame's a great experience. You wonder if he's quite ready for this from an age standpoint, but it doesn't matter. It's a home run hire from the standpoint that he's going to get guys bought in. The sad fact is South Nashville, particularly, you know, people that are intertwined with NBA and some of those private schools here in South Nashville, tend to be big donors and, you know, boosters for Vandy. And, you know, sadly enough, I'd say a large number of them might not have bought into the last four, two or three coaches that have been at Vandy. This one, they'll be rallying behind. I don't think it'll take that much from, to get money from these guys. Now uh, I think he's going to really do some good things here. Obviously he's got a major uphill battle, but I love this for the fact that you got to take a chance on a guy that may either knows a little bit about the program. I'm not saying even a little bit. He needs to know a lot about the program, have some experience some ties to it. Or you got to bring in someone like a James Franklin, somebody that you think is a game changer, a young game changer that is going to bring this flamboyance and this fire and passion and energy. And I think I think Lee kind of embodies both of those things. Yeah. So I'm and excited about this one. You You've got the major um benefit of being in a city like Nashville which people are moving to in flocks so we know it's a, a, an attractive place to be it's not like you're recruiting people to Starkville Mississippi you can say come to Nashville uh you know there's there's tons to do here lots of opportunity and so if you can just get some buy in i do really like this hire to your point i think that it's going to be a good one and and honestly even though Nashville is growing as a city there's still a small town more vibe if that makes sense um in the sense that anytime vanderbilt starts doing well the city really gets behind them so for for a for a major metropolis area which major metropolis maybe i'm being a little too liberal there but uh for a a city that's got pro teams to get behind the college team when they start doing well that's also a a really unique thing and the the recruits and stuff would really uh that would help build that excitement and stuff. So I, I really like it. We'll see how it goes. It's a very hard place to win right now. Uh, and obviously you're in the SEC. So your work is cut out for you and just in general, your schedule every single season. So we'll see. Um, another lesser one that I actually think is pretty good of a hire for them uh, is Brett Bielema to Iowa or not Iowa, <laughs> Illinois. Lovey Smith uh, fired there for the fighting Illini. But Bielema, of course, it came from the Big Ten. Uh, and then he's been in the NFL, obviously had a stint at Arkansas as well. Uh, Lovey Smith did a pretty good job of going in and getting transfers and you know JUCOs and stuff like that. Um, so we'll see what Brett's Bielema is able to do with that. I think, like I said, this is a good hire. He wants to be back in college. He likes the Big Ten. He had success there. Uh, so we'll see how that works. That being said, he had didn't have a ton of success at Arkansas. So, uh, you know, I, I But what I did he do? Way. He still had, you know, seven, maybe eight, maybe a nine-win season. He was yeah. fairly – I think he was fairly consistent. Yeah, throughout. I just worry about him being able to recruit to Illinois is my point. Well, but, here's what's interesting. Yeah, you're right. He did coach at Wisconsin. He knows that ground. I mean, Chicago uh, – Illinois, Wisconsin right there. He should be able to get – and his cachet, for whatever reason, he, he pulls – he he comes into a uh, you know he's he's one of those guys that he's not an elite coach, but he if he walked into a, a, a high schooler's living room you'd go oh man okay that's Brett Bielema, you know what I mean he's got that name like Brett Bielema 
that some coaches that were just being hired as, you know, Illinois coach wouldn't bring. Love that about him. Lovey Smith recruited well enough to where Brett Bielema ought to be able to kind of step in there and, and provide some good things. This isn't about them trying to uh, to make a Rose Bowl again. This is just more about having some some winning seasons and having some fun again. Uh, and I think he's going to provide that. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, so we'll see there. We've got one more big hire, or no, two more, sorry, two more big hires to talk about. We'll start with South Carolina. Shane Beamer in for the Gamecocks after Will Muschamp is out. Um, I don't think, has there ever been any clarification about Will Muschamp at Georgia? Because I guess he's doing, I don't know what he's doing at Georgia. Not that I know of yet. Um, there are talks about him coming on in some capacity. Uh, I, and I, but I don't know if it's official yet. All right. Well, Shane Beamer, first time head coach. He's coming from Oklahoma where he was a coordinator. He's been, uh, you know, in the assistant game for a while. This is going to be his first big job. I'm interested in that. Very, not ballsy, but you know, not as splashy as you could have gone at South Carolina. That being said, uh, he does know that landscape. He's been he's been at South Carolina before. He is a pretty good recruiter. Uh, so we'll see what he's able to do in Columbia. I don't have a ton to say about this. I'm kind of really neutral on it. I could see it being a, a sneaky good hire. I can also see it going really poorly, and we all say, told you so. So I don't really know what to think about this one. What about, what about you, Pierce? You know, it, it's sad. It's a little bit different than the example I'm going to compare this to. I also think that it, 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 it just sounds kind of like it's going to be a, a, a Derek Dooley situation. That's just yeah, kind of what it yeah, feels yeah. like. And I know it's a little different. It might not be fair. Derek Dooley was a uh, head coach at La Tech. Shane Beamer hasn't even sniffed an offensive or defensive coordinator spot. Um, obviously, Vince Dooley was at La Tech, didn't bring the recruiting prowess that uh, Shane Beamer does. So a little different, but young guys that would take, you took a chance on because they've got chutzpah and, and, and bravado and they want to, you know, go, go kick ass and, and take names and, It'll be interesting. I, I don't see this one going well, and I don't think that's an indictment on Shane Beamer. I just don't think it's 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 set up for him well in, in Columbia. I don't. If he were to have waited this out another few years and maybe gotten a gotten hired at uh like an old I don't know if he had waited a few years and gotten a hire somewhere else that was going to set him up for maybe hell Auburn. I'll throw that one out there. Um. I could see it happening. I don't know if I see this one happening uh, and, and working out well. And that, and I hate that because I like Shane Beamer a lot. I think he's a great coach, phenomenal recruiter. I just don't think South Carolina is set up well for it. Um, but you're right. It's kind of a neutral or it's kind of a spot where you go, well, in four years, if he's had, if he has five wins, wouldn't surprise me. And I'm meaning five wins total in the five, four years. Uh, but then again, if he's had, Three three seasons of you know seven eight win seasons, I'd go. Oh, that's not surprising either. So kind of a weird spot here, but I'd lean more towards the uh, the struggling side simply because of uh, the program that he's entering into. All right. Well, last but not least, we got to talk about Texas. Uh, Texas making probably the best hire uh, from a on paper standpoint. They go and get Steve Sarkeesian after outing Tom Herman. Sarkeesian obviously most recently was the offensive coordinator for Alabama and had the most explosive offensive maybe ever. Now he had a lot of talent, but he really had things rolling there in Tuscaloosa. He, of course, did have a stint out west where he was the USC coach and had some issues, had some demons there the last time he was a head coach. So we'll see if uh, he was is has been able to move past those and can sustain that. Texas really going and getting probably the best candidate as far as, like I said, on paper, he's been a head coach before he's had success. Um, not tremendously, but he had success, uh, here and there. And he also knows how to deal with a big brand. He's had to see, you know, how to deal with donors and sad personal experience with that as well, because when you're at a place like Tennessee, not Tennessee, sorry, Texas, the real UT, um, when you're at a place like Texas, you got it. I don't like you saying that. I know. I just I said it. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't deny it. I couldn't really deny it, but I hate hearing I, that from a When people say UT, UT, I think uh, of Tennessee. No, I, I say that because they like to say it. When I hear UT, I think of Tennessee. I said, but that's that, we grew I up said that freshman year of college and, uh, some, one of my Highland Park buddies almost blew a gasket on me. He, he had he 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 couldn't believe I had the audacity to say UT for Tennessee. Well, do you know why I say <laughs> I like to say UT for Tennessee as opposed to UT for Texas? Because Tennessee is a lot more syllables than Texas. Tennessee, well, it's only three, but Texas, Texas, boom, boom, boom. It's quick. You just do two or 
It's five letters. Tennessee, you got to think about it. Two E's, two N's, two S's, two E's. It's a lot. So anyways, uh, Steve Sarkeesian in at Austin for the uh, Longhorns. I like this a lot. I think he's going to be a good hire for them. I think he's going to be able to recruit well. I think he's going to help the moniker of Texas is back. Now, do I think that they're going to necessarily be playing for a national championship within a couple years? Maybe, maybe. Um, it's interesting they have a home-and-home home series, Pierce, in 2022, I think, in 2023 with Alabama. So if nothing Ooh. happens, if nothing happens this season... You think Sark season, will want to mix it up like Kiffin has? <laughs> I, right now, prediction, unless... God, I really hope Kirby does it this year if we get the chance to play Alabama, but... Maybe Ole Miss, maybe Lane Kiffin does it this next year or, or before uh, Sarkeesian gets a, a, a chance to do so. But maybe Steve Sarkeesian's the first court or first uh, former assistant to beat the the master. I I think maybe. I think I think it's set up to happen here. Uh, maybe next year. So hopefully, God, God, please let it be Kirby. Please, please. I think I, if it's not, I don't. Here's the thing. I've got a lot of um, feelings about this, and and really it has nothing to do with Sark because I think Sark, what he'll bring to the table, not just from he'll be able to recruit. He's recruited at a lot of big-time schools, obviously USC, Alabama. He develops quarterbacks. He His play calling is second to none. So even if they don't have the best of athletes, they'll still be able to, you know, out-scheme and out-coach every other uh, team they play, or for the most part, maybe – Maybe not Oklahoma. Uh, with all that said, this is less about the hire and more about are the donors and the the d bags that that really run Texas are they going to give are they going to be able to come together and give him their full backing? Because that's that's the pressure of that is unlike any other school in the entire country when it comes when you are hired. You are held to higher expectations and you are required to do more than any other coach in college football. It's just a fact. Um, that's what I'm worried about for him. No doubt in my mind, he'll be able to recruit. I, I think, uh, I think this is the first hire. This is the first hire where I've gone. Well, not great for TCU. Not great. This could maybe be the, the beginning of the end for Patterson. Um, that's a fair assessment. Which is saying a lot, and I and I hope that's not the case, and I would hate that. I think he'll clean up. Obviously, as Jimbo uh, there to the south to to worry about, but I think he'll still get he'll still get the players, and I think he'll turn that program around. Will they be back? I don't think so. I don't think that their donors will ever let them be back. There will be someone who will cause some mayhem in that program, and and it'll be really tough. Because, because here's the fact of the matter: if he if he wins a championship, he's going to be one of the most revered coaches oh, of all yeah. time. Because Texas, if you win, a, you're immortalized if you win at Texas. So, uh, you know, because Alabama looks up to Bear Bryant. You win a championship there, you're you're revered, but you're not idle. You're not quite, you know, Bear Bryant's always looming over your head. Yeah, well, and, and now, well, I think Nick Saban broke that. Oh, uh, that's what I'm saying. Like now, it's Nick Saban, right? Which is crazy to think about because Bear Bryant was so great too. Right. Um, It'll be interesting to see how he does there, but I, I like the hire. I think so. So I should take it back. I think this is the best hire outside uh, yeah. of Clark, outside of Lee. Yes. That being said, you know, but it also has the most still has its battles. It has the Ex- most stakes. exactly, so and that's always what's ta- there's challenging. There's the biggest chance for it to be holy crap a home run, but also the biggest chance for it to be a. Let where me tell I you. think I think that Vanderbilt was a sure thing as long as they can actually commit to to helping him out. I think that's a sure thing. Whereas this is a swing for the fences, and it's either a home run or it is just. Oh gosh! It wouldn't surprise me Sweet in the miss. slightest to see Herman catch a head coaching gig in in three or four years, and have a lot of success. Yeah, I think I think that Herman. Mm, I think Herman had a hard time at Texas because he didn't. I don't think he played ball with them necessarily. I think he struggled in a situation like that. He got swallowed up by when you're in a system like that, where you're going to have to deal with. You're recruiting and you're coaching, but also you've got all of these donors and all of these people who are, you know, you've got to play ball with. I think he struggled with that. Um, and I think he lacks some maturity. I mean, remember when he did the Drew Locke thing oh, on yeah, the sidelines, sure. Sure, sure, sure. mocking him and stuff. It's But you can win. you can still succeed like that. Look at Kiffin. Yeah, well, yes, Throwing you can. Clipboards 50 but here's, yards here's the difference. 
Kiffin walks into a recruit's home and he's also able to relate to them. He's a good recruiter. The stories that you hear about Tom Herman and how he made his pitches was douchebaggery. Really? So I don't think that, I think that's where Herman struggled is I think that he does have the swagger, which they thought was going to be the Texas's back. And it ended up really repulsing people. And so that's the difference. He's got to grow up. I could see him going to a, you know, a rehab situation, be on a Nick Saban coaching tree and, and maybe he learns some maturity and he can grow up a little bit. Cause we've certainly seen that happen. I mean, Sarkeesian did it. So yeah, it so, could happen. And, and, and obviously you're, you hit the nail on the head. He, he, but here's why I think he will be successful. You saw it at Houston. He got Derek King. Um, you know, I mean, got to give him kudos for that. They had phenomenal years to set them up to, to have lofty expectations that Houston hasn't seen since Ward was there. But what tells me he's going to be a successful coach is the fact that he was so good as an underdog. It was when he, there were expectations. And I know that might be a scary thing for a lot to say, but it's when those donors are like, hey, now, don't lose this game now. Right. You know, like, and that's kind of where I think some of the immaturity might come in almost in spite of these people. So we'll see. It was like a release. It was like, oh, my yeah. gosh, when they would do really well, it was like a release of like all this pressure and all of this anxiety. And it just came out really kind of a bit repulsive. So yeah. I think that's why I think Sarkeesian's going to be great. He's he also knows the California landscape out west. He knows Alabama. You know, obviously, they go into South Florida and get people. So I really like that hire. I think it's going to end up being really good. We'll just see if it translates into winning games or not. And I would love to see uh, Texas be able to give Oklahoma a run for their money because that, you know, I think that the, the Big 12 needs that. It needs it. It just needs like, it. Just it like needs from, a, from a stand. selfish standpoint because I went to Florida State and they're my second team behind. You know, I didn't graduate from there, but they're my second team behind Georgia. I want Florida State to be back, but really I want Florida State to be back too because they need to push Clemson. So I know this might make, not make, oh, sorry, I'm golly. Blah, might blah, blah, blah. not make a lot of sense for some, a, a good portion of people, but for the few, this will make perfect sense. TCU, for example, or Baylor, over the last five, six years, have been able to beat the Texases. Texas then subsequently will have these big battles with Oklahoma and look like they could beat them. They're very close. It's just they, it, I mean, once look they at get this to, year. How many overtime? And did then go those to? teams that, like te- TCU and Baylor, that upset T- uh, Texas and, you know, might even look like the better team get destroyed by Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. So I don't think it's going to take much for Texas to be quite honest with you. Um, Cause they have that big brand name and they do have the athletes and they're, they're going to be better than every team that they play on the field from an athletic standpoint. They have been for the last four years. Problem is, I mean, for whatever reason, they just can't get it done. Yeah. Um, so it, it will be interesting, but I do, I agree with you. They've got, there's got to be, cause I mean, think about it, you know, Oklahoma plays, at Bedlam this year. Oh God, we can't wait for the game. Oklahoma wins. All right. Oh, okay. Well, mm-hmm. you know, you look at Iowa state. Oh, they beat him the first match. Can they beat him again? They need Texas to be. Well, back. and here's the thing is one, I want, I selfishly want them, Oklahoma, if they're not good to be exposed by teams like Texas, who can push them. But also I think it'll help Lincoln Riley to up his game. And then when they get to the playoffs, they don't get exposed well, because they, they have to develop more. They have to actually really like, they're not caught back on their heels like I think they've been. OU's a fantastic fan base. No knock on them. But when they get in these playoffs, it's easy for an Oklahoma fan to say, oh, my God, it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. We're going to lose in the first game and not even make it to the championship. Texas doesn't know that. You put them in the playoffs in two or three years, my God, you're looking at an exciting, incredible matchup with whoever they play. Yeah. It's going to be interesting. Um, I, I think that that's going to be a good hire for them as well. That's it for the big ones. Uh, nothing else happened. Obviously, there were some names that we thought might get hired away that didn't. Uh, Jamie Chadwell is ex- got an extension at Coastal Carolina. Thought he might end up at Tennessee. Thought Billy Napier might end up at Tennessee or Auburn. He's back at uh, Louisiana. Scott Satterfield, even though he put his name in the ring for a couple different jobs, is staying at Louisville. Justin Fuente retains his job at Virginia Tech, even though people thought he was going to be gone for sure. Um, and Mario Cristobal, he was uh, also rumored for the Auburn job, and he got an extension as well at Oregon. So that's really it for the big coaching changes. Obviously, if there's anything else that happens, we'll uh, pop in and do little news news pieces on some of these uh, uh, new episodes we have coming up. 
Uh, that being said, this is where you come in. Let us know what what topics you want us to cover here in the offseason. We've got a long uh, few months to go here, and we are going to go into each conference and talk about how they did in 2020 and what they're going to be doing and, or what we expect to see in 2021. It looks like we're going to have more of a normal season in 2021, fingers crossed, as the vaccine rolls out. Um, so that will be nice as well. Hopefully there's nothing crazy and we don't have the darkest day ever when all of short sports shut down uh, like March 2020. So we uh, we got a lot to uh, a lot of time to spit to um, kill rather. So if you have anything you want us to cover, any questions, any topics you'd like to hear us tackle, you can do that by reaching out to us at uh, Bragging Rights or I'm sorry at Bragging Pod on social media. That's bragging without the G. Bragging Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Let us know what you want to hear. Let us know what takes we have that are bad. Uh, let's 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 uh, get you guys more involved here. So. Maybe even have a chance to maybe leave some voicemails here as well, and we can uh, you know play those. So get involved. Follow us at Brag and Pod. Let us know what uh, what your thoughts are. But that's going to do it here for this episode. We're going to wrap it up here uh, with this coaching carousel, the craziness that was, uh, and we'll we'll go into maybe some draft stuff. Maybe we can talk about some draft stuff because this is going to be an interesting one, I think, for we sure got, this year. Um, the actual signing day tomorrow. Oh gosh, okay, yeah, actual signing day. Obviously, the bigger names have already signed, but well, not necessarily bigger, but majority do. Yeah. The splashes. You're not going to see craziness happen tomorrow. Not too many. Not too many. Yeah, yeah. Christmas came comes early with national or early signing day. Rather, national signing day now, since there's the early signing period, feels more like um, maybe like when you return your gifts and you get like the chance to go like spend your gift cards yes, and stuff. Yes. Yes. It's like, okay, like this is great. Now, like maybe there's a couple things. I'm like, oh, that was exciting. It sucks. This, this day, tomorrow, this day, every year. Oh, it was Christmas for me. I it know. was Christmas. And, 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 and it sucks because, and it's better, I think, for, for most teams, you know, the top team's sake to get those guys locked mm-hmm. in. However, boy, when there was just one, man, you were getting recruits committing all day and it yeah. was so great now you've got it split between the two more so towards you know december but even though you're not getting a lot of the main you know maybe some of right. the last big guys so it's like it kind of feels like so that you had christmas already with early signing day this feels like you know when when you're picking everything up from christmas and your parents go oh we forgot to give you this stocking stuffer and you're like oh, okay cool thank you yeah yeah, it's, <laughs> yeah exactly you, you come across that one gift and you forgot about it like oh cool yeah that's thanks that, forgot that's, about that's you that's very much and there are a lot of recruits that are a handful that i would say very much that was how the recruiting process yeah. and who they're going to commit to kind of played out yeah okay that's yeah so so we'll get into all that we'll talk about how now that everything's gonna be solidified finally tomorrow we can maybe talk about that next week talk about recruiting classes so uh make sure you subscribe so you don't miss it because we got a lot of fun off-season content coming your way uh you can follow us uh obviously like i said at bragging pod and um i think that's about it i think i hit all the housekeeping so i'm gonna wrap it up here pierce uh for the bragging rights podcast i'm madison and i'm pierce Stay blessed, y'all.